We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Untuck It and Manscaped. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Joining me tonight, just like every other night, is the quarterback of the press coverage podcast, also on the Blue Wire Network, the Eric underscore Crocker. What is going on, my guy? And, uh, How are you feeling? Tell me, tell me that. How are you feeling? Uh, about the 49ers? No, no. Well, you, you're supposed to say that you feel undefeated, bro. Oh, yeah, I feel undefeated. Ain't no. Ain't That's no. what we do. We, it's, it's been a little bit because the 49ers played last Thursday, so we're off our game. Yeah, but, ain't no, my bad. Okay, but yeah, ain't no. Feeling great. Yeah. He feels – Crocker definitely feels undefeated for sure. I can tell yeah. you that. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, coming at you again for the – Eighth time this season, we've got to open up this podcast to say that the 49ers are still undefeated. And that doesn't normally happen in the NFL. Now, this week's episode is unique because for the last few weeks, it was the 49ers and the Patriots who were the two undefeated teams. And a couple weeks before that, it was the 49ers, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. And now, as of Sunday night, 
The 49ers are now the only undefeated team in the NFL uh, because the Patriots lost to the Baltimore Ravens. And, I mean, I want to say it was a little closer than the score would say, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. the, The Ravens... Seem to handle them pretty well, but they beat the Patriots 37 to 20, and now the 49ers are your lone undefeated team in the NFL, 8 and 0, and they are approaching what I guess I would probably say is their biggest challenge of the year so far in the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the good thing is, is this is at home at Levi's Stadium on Monday Night Football, where the 49ers, for some reason, have always been very good. I think they've won. This can't be 49 straight. 49. No, 49 total. Total. Okay, yeah, okay. I was like trying to remember the stat, and I was like, it can't be 49 straight. Um, that would be amazing. But the 49ers have won 49 times on Monday Night Football. And this Monday, should they top the Seahawks, would be win number 50. So that's legit. It's pretty sweet. It's, you know, I've, I just – when I think Monday Night Football, I think there's so many different wins, like uh, – like, 49ers beat the Rams on Monday Night Football with it was like Chip Kelly and they like shut him out or something. And uh, yeah, and it and then the when Colin Kaepernick like burst onto the scene for his first real start in in place of Alex Smith, that was on Monday Night Football against the Bears and he just destroyed him. Um, I remember the beautiful corner route he threw that game to Kyle Williams. Kyle Williams, bro. I was just thinking of that in my head. And remember Harbaugh on the sideline was like, that's my guy. Like he just had this, this look on his face. Like I knew it. Um, and Alden Smith went crazy. I think he had five sacks that game. So that was a, that was just a few random. I'm sure I could come up with a bunch more Monday night football moments. Um, but, but yeah, but before we get into that, Let's talk about the Cardinals because that was an interesting game. There's a lot to glean from it. Some positive, some negative, some anywhere in between. Um, But Crocker, and I know you've been waiting. You've always said this, but I know you've probably been waiting to say it again on this podcast on striking gold since the, since the game, since Thursday. But tell us, tell us what you saw from Jimmy G, my guy. Well, you know, like like I've been saying, Jimmy G does he can play any style of football that Shanahan needs him to play. And I think whatever is required of him to pull off a win, he's able to play in that style. So, you know, if you need him to throw the ball around and, you know, that's how the 49ers have to win, he can do that. If he needs to, you know, throw for 150 yards because the running game runs for 250, then we can win that way. But at the end of the day, with Jimmy Garoppolo, man, he, he just plays winning football. And I think that's going to take the 49ers a long way because I don't think he has a weakness in the sense of, like, the moment, you know. Um, obviously, he is prone to throw an interception, you know, you know, a bad pass here and there typically hasn't hurt us because they've all been in the first half of games this year. But outside of that, man, like, I, I think that he's been playing – very well, and I, I know people will look at that game as like, oh, this is just his best game, and he's making all these throws. I, I'll say this. He's made a lot of throws this year. He hasn't had to make them in the abundance of, like, Thursday night football. Like, he hasn't had to make that many throws, but if you kind of just look at how he has played so far this year and kind of piece together throw, third down throws and kind of make, like, a little highlight reel, 
He's done that type of stuff consistently. He just had to do it more that game because the game kind of called for it a little bit. Running game couldn't get going. They were kind of overloading the box. You saw Buda Baker coming off the edge like over and over and over. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was cool to see him kind of put the team on, on his back and like make the throws, you know, whatever it took to, to win the game. And he, he's just a winner in my book. Uh, I think, you know, Fortnite should be happy with that type of performance. Oh, yeah. No, and it was – it was awesome to watch because the 40, you could tell that the Arizona Cardinals, their game plan number one was to stop the 49ers from running the football. And for the most part, they did that. Uh, Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman pretty much pretty much split the carries. Uh, Breida had 15, Coleman had 12. Uh, Breida had a lot more success. I'm not, you know, I haven't broken down every play. I don't know exactly why, but Breida uh, ran, carried it 15 times for 78 yards, whereas Coleman only managed 23 yards on 12 carries. So, well, it, really, it was it was Breida had two runs that were kind of like the bulk of. His yardage. Yeah, he had a 31-yarder. I know one of them, his longest yeah. one was a 31-yarder. I don't know what his other runs were. So it's a little misleading as far as, like, the consistency of his runs. Um, it's not like he was just gashing the Cardinals over and over and over. No. I think more times than not, the 49ers were kind of stopped in the backfield, and I'm really surprised that they ran – as much as they they did, I thought there were a lot of other opportunities for them to kind of pull and do like bootlegs, um, because the Cardinals were really just crashing down to take away the run, and for the most part they did. Again, oh, just yeah. Yeah. even with, yeah, even with Breida's bigger numbers, the 49ers, the backfield only averaged three point three yards per carry, which. This is coming off a game against the Panthers where I think the 49ers averaged over six yards a carry. And, yeah, there were some big runs in there too. But, you know, you got to kind of take everything and combine it together. That's just how it works. Um, and so the, you could definitely tell that the Cardinals were, were hoping to stop basically what you've heard a million times. Stop the run. Let's make them beat us, beat us with Jimmy G. And that's exactly what Jimmy G did. Now – I had to give definitely had to give some props to the Cardinals because they showed up. This was a close game. The 49ers won 28 to 25. Uh, the Cardinals came out and played better football in the second half. Uh, broke off a couple big plays that really got them back into the game. But you could tell that they that they were wholly concerned with stopping the 49ers running attack and just kind of daring Jimmy Garoppolo to beat them. And you know, back to what we're talking about, he did. He he completed. 28 of 37 passes, which is 75.7%. That's absurd. That's, you know, and, and what's crazy is he's averaging through the season over 70%, but still 75% still over his average. He threw for 317 yards. He averaged 8.6 yards per attempt, which that number right there would be towards the towards the top of the league. Um, he was only sacked once, and he threw four different touchdowns. And his quarterback rating, 136.9, is is you know, it's only about, you know, 16, 17 points away from, um, per, from perfect, or maybe even less than that. Um, but he was just outstanding. And there is a, we could have an entire podcast on Jimmy G's performance against the, against the Cardinals. Now, no, the Cardinals defense is not, you know, one of the, you know, one of the greats in terms of passing yards allowed. I thought, I think they were bottom half of the league, but you have to, you have to. It would be more concerning if he didn't take advantage of a defense like that, and he he definitely took advantage of it. Jimmy put together some of the best plays and throws 
I'd, I'd ever seen from him. There was, you know, and, and keep in mind that we're talking to you about this game. Most of you guys have heard a lot of podcasts talk about this game already. It's already been, you know, essentially almost a, a week since this game came by. So we know that none of this stuff is necessarily new. You've probably heard it from, um, you know, I stepped in for Kevin last week, right after the game, recorded a short podcast. So you've heard a little bit from me and probably from a little bit of the other podcasts you listen from, but this throw to Emmanuel Sanders was just nuts. Like it wasn't like this huge deep bomb that dropped perfectly over Emmanuel Sanders shoulder or anything, but it was like one of the best timed passes I've ever seen. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders kind of gave him a little shake, gave Patrick Peterson a little shake at the line of scrimmage, um, got outside of him. Ran like a 10 to 15 yard out, but right as he turned to to start his out, the ball was already halfway there. Jimmy threw the ball while Emmanuel Sanders was still running straight. He just threw it to a spot. It was right on him. He basically turned around and the ball just was there. Like he just kind of had to put his hands out. And you can even see Emmanuel Sanders after the throw. He just kind of points over at Jimmy G like, hey, man, that was all you. Because I didn't even really have to work for that one. Even though he got open, he created separation. So that that's working in and of itself against Patrick Peterson. But it was just one of those things. And you're like, how is he doing this with a guy he's only trained with for a year and – excuse me, a week and a half? It's, it's just you're not really supposed to build that kind of cohesion that fast. It's just right. – it's crazy. It was. I still think that the, the throw of the game was that third down where he kind of really threw Emmanuel Sanders open. I mean, the timing route obviously was great, but the one where it's like Jimmy G is about to get hit and he kind of throws it to like this spot. And it, it, it was like, I don't know, him and Emmanuel Sanders, like they were like on the same page and Emmanuel kind of worked back and caught the ball in that open area. It was on that last drive to kind of keep the drive going. Um, I thought that was an amazing throw. Was but, that the one where he kind of like darted through pressure? Yeah. Like, like he kind of like bounced right, bounced left while moving forward and then hit Emmanuel Sanders. Like, I think it was like a 17 yard gain on like third and 12. If we're talking about the same play. It, it was like a curl route and right, like, right. Sanders kind of like went out and then, and then he kind of threw it. Like he threw it in between three people to where, where he threw it, Sanders wasn't even there. Then Sanders kind of like saw it going to that area, and it was like the open area, and Sanders like caught it while falling down. Yeah, it was it was crazy to see those guys put on a show. Uh, I mean, Sanders is already one of the 49ers' most targeted wideouts on the season, and he's only been with the team for two games, really. Much needed, right? Like, I, I, like you can kind of you can like clearly see the impact that he has, you know, and kind of what it looks like. From a talent standpoint, the 49ers have talented receivers, but they're young and they're just not there yet. And, and sometimes it takes time because even if, you know, you can look at Emmanuel Sanders, for for instance, right, and we see how well uh, he's playing with the 49ers right now and how it's like, oh, you know, got a great receiver, you know, number one receiver, however you want to look at it. But Emmanuel Sanders starting off his rookie year, 28 catches, 376 yards. Uh, second year, 22 catches. 288 yards. Third year, 44 catches, 626 yards. Uh, fourth year, 67 catches, 740. So it wasn't until his fifth year in the league where he went over 1,000 and he had over 1,400 yards. But sometimes it kind of takes time. And I think, you know, the 49ers want this instant success from the guys that they have 
when sometimes, you know, it, it takes a little time. Like I, we can't ask Debo Samuel to be, you know, that nuanced of a, you know, a route runner, a timing guy, you know, uh, you know, he drops some passes. Okay. Like he's, he's probably thinking a lot right now. You know, the game is probably really slowed down for Emmanuel Sanders and it's kind of like just reacting. And I think you see the benefits of having somebody like that. Like, so when we look at our guys, it's like, yeah, they have talent. Pettis has talent. Samuel has talent. Um, you know, obviously I like Richie James, Kendrick Bourne, like these guys have talent, but they're not where Sanders is. But when you look at Sanders, it took him five years to get to become a receiver like this that is able to, you know, be on the same page consistently with the quarterback. So I hope guys just like kind of I know we see other guys around the league and we'll probably talk about DK uh, McCaff where he's putting up yards and all this and he's having this instant success. But we really have to be patient with our young receivers. And I would just say that it's great to kind of have this veteran right now to kind of take a load off of our young guys' shoulders and let them just, hey, get in where you fit in, have your four catches for 40 yards, great. But at, at the same time, we have a guy that's capable of giving you seven catches for 112 and a touchdown. Right, and he's just... He's exactly what the 49ers needed to, I mean, in, in more than one way. And the fact that it kind of goes into what you're just saying is you get a guy like that in there and the most veteran receiver the 49ers had is Marquise Goodwin. And and obviously he seems like personality wise, a very genuine, a very good dude, but maybe he's not the type of locker room leader. He hasn't had the same type of success that Emmanuel Sanders had. Marquise Goodwin's far and away his best season um, of his career came when he joined the 49ers. And, you know, so getting somebody like Emmanuel Sanders in that room that's been with a couple different teams, played with with a few great quarterbacks, uh, won a Super Bowl, it's he's somebody that brings a whole new level of experience to that room. And he brings a whole new level of experience of experience to Jimmy G too. And, and what they, the co the cohesion that they can kind of build together and how he can kind of guide Jimmy Garoppolo, or he can guide those younger receivers towards becoming better players. So there's, there's so many things and that's kind of the same way I feel about Richard Sherman. There's so many things that a guy like Emmanuel Sanders will bring off the field. In addition to what he's doing on the field and what he's been on the field, it's nothing short of a, He's not a prototypical number one receiver. He's not Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or something like that. But he's in that like second tier of really, really good, reliable receivers. And he's obviously just upgraded the offense. And the big thing with me was just taking, adding someone to the mix that poses just as much of a receiving threat as George Kittle. And although they're not the same size, obviously, uh, George Kittle is a much more dominant and imposing figure. I think that Manuel Sanders poses just as much of a threat to make a play as somebody like George Kittle does uh, in the passing game. So, you know, now that they have two of those, it's going to help out the other. You know, Debo Samuel still still turned off um, four catches for 40 yards. He had a really, really costly drop. I, you know, I obviously I don't need to tell him how. Hey, those are the hardest. Those are the hardest ones to catch. When you're no, doing... I know. And people don't realize that. As yeah. a receiver, you're like the routes, the, the catches where you're just running your route, you know, you're getting open, the ball's there, you catch it, and you keep running. Like, those the, those, the those are where you're wide open are the hardest. Yeah, it's like a, like a three-pointer shooter, right? It's like when you're so wide open, and then you just think, like, okay, set my feet, square square. Right, right, right. Like, you're yeah, in. It's like, I'm so wide open, I can't screw this up, and then you miss it, you know? Where when you can just kind of, like, oh, catch and shoot, like, it, it, it's a little bit more natural. It's the same thing with... You know, receiving is like when you're just that wide open, 
you you think like just a million things start going through your head. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. You're wide open. You can't yeah. drop it. You can't drop it. And you kind of just overthink it. And then before you know it, bloop, you drop the ball. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like you can see when he laid there like, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can't believe he's, that He's going to beat himself up about that more than anybody else will. That's, I've, you know, I've been there. I've done that. You know, it, it always just seems like you catch – you catch the medium ones, you catch the difficult ones, but you drop the easy ones sometimes. And it just doesn't make sense. It's almost because the easy catches as a receiver are unnatural. You're there's they're rare. You're never just wide open by yourself, you know, getting ready. You're always used to somebody trailing you or, you know, having to make your moves in a hurry and create little bits of separation. And, you know, maybe you're catching a ball with somebody on, you know, draped over you or whatever you're never expecting to have nobody around you. So sometimes those catches can be the hardest. And obviously it's not really an excuse. It's just the reality of it. Anybody who's ever played football and tried to make those plays, it's just weird. You know, you're just not used to it. It's a weird feeling to, to be put in those positions, but you know, that sucked for him. And you know, the, the, the crappy thing is, is, he dropped that pass, but it didn't end the 49ers hopes. They kept driving. Uh, and then they ended up, you know, um, Cliff Kingsbury called a, a poorly <laughs> a poorly thought out timeout on a play where the Cardinals actually stopped the 49ers on fourth and one at the goal line. Uh, but the, but he called that timeout and the 49ers got to go again. They went right back to Emmanuel Sanders. And that was on the same drive where Debo Samuel should have already caught a touchdown pass. So it was, you know, to me, it was that one little thing is just a microcosm of, you know, kind of the Debo Samuel versus Emmanuel Sanders relationship and why they would train for somebody like Samuels because they just want somebody reliable. And that's not to say that Debo Samuel will not be reliable. He's just working through the kinks of being a young NFL receiver. And that stuff has to happen. Like Croc was already saying, you're not just going to be as rarely are you just a superstar out of the gate. Um, So that was, that was just an interesting dynamic to me to see like, in the same drive within the same, basically red zone, you had Debo Samuel drop a touchdown and then they moved a couple plays and they went to Emmanuel Sanders and scored different play, different pass. But that was interesting to me. Uh, the other thing that was interesting to me is, um, you know, kind of transitioning away from everything being amazing. Um, actually, you know what? I'll wait. Cause I know we're going to be able to talk about this for a little bit. I need to get to our sponsors need to get to our sponsors otherwise i put that too far off and we'll be we'll talk about the 49ers defense forever and then it'll be it'll be too late so um i'm gonna get started with untuck it um the holidays are almost here and you know what that means gifts like crazy whether you're buying them receiving them whatever you got and for a guy there's there are very few gifts that are better than getting a stylish shirt that just fits right just fits right. Unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked, which is how I wear all my shirts. Untucked shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter the size, so we look casual and sharp. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. They were meant to be tucked in, maybe with a coat over the top. So thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. Okay, um, With me, I always ended up wearing, for the most part, because I'm a teacher, I got to dress 
decently nice every day. I wear Nike polos because they're comfortable and they fit great. So an untuck it shirt is kind of like the same thing. It's just a shirt that you can buy that you know is going to fit fit right. You can buy a few of them. They could be your go-to shirt. So that's kind of what I, how I feel that they relate to me. So they're just go-to shirts that you know you're going to look good in. Okay. And that's, and that's hard to get. Um, nowadays, you never know how a shirt's going to fit, especially one that's been gifted to you. So Untucked shirts where it's at. There's 50 plus combination shirts, uh, tall, short, slim, athletic guys of all ages. Um, you can find your Untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Um, choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit Untucket.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off. And then in addition to Untucket, we have Manscaped. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Yes, we are going there. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Okay, I don't have a specific story for you, but we all have been there. At least any self-respecting gentleman should have been there when they were trying to get their, their lowers all prettied up for their ladies. Okay, that's why Manscaped has designed the electric trimmer. Because we've all had that accident where all of a sudden we're bleeding where we shouldn't be bleeding from. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nig or snap your nuts. Okay? That's what it's all about. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. Okay? That seems like common sense, but sadly it's not. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits? Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Makes sense. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. Crocker, how did I do, man? Yeah, I, I thought you did great, man. You did great. Sound good. <laughs> if you, Sound just good. to clue you guys in because we're transparent here on Striking Gold. Any self-respecting man, you know. <laughs> I was totally unsure if I was going to be able to get through that ad read because it's funny. Like that's, I mean, most ad reads are not that funny. That is a good one, but I had to keep it cool so I could get through it for you guys. So we get back to talking 49ers, but that was just, it's so funny in a great way. Most people won't go out on a limb to write an ad like that. So it's, it's funny. I respect it. I respect the drip. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, the other part that we were about to talk about before I got to our, our, our sponsors was the 49ers defense wasn't nearly as invulnerable against the Cardinals as they looked in the past. Now, that's not to say they were bad in, in, in a sense. I mean, they did give up 25 points, but 
we all know that division matches are just different. If they're like, if you were to look at some of the best seasons in the NFL, you'd probably find a lot of divisional matches that didn't look like the rest of the games. It's just the two teams know each other so much better. They play each other with a different level of intensity, whether or not they would admit it or not. Um, and the forty, like like the Forty ers just have lost to the Cardinals eight times in a row before this game. Doesn't matter how who was the better team that season. That's amazing, right? Like who right. who would have thought that? Like you know, if you would have asked someone, hey, you know, the Cardinals are on a winning streak against the Niners. Like how many games do you think it is? I, I bet people would say like three. Like just because you're asking, they probably know like okay, probably it's been a few games. So I'm gonna go on the limb and say three. But I don't think anybody would guess like eight. Like that's over four years. Right. That's a long time. That's going all the way back to the Harbaugh years. So, well, is it or isn't? It? it might be just short of the Harbaugh years. Um, I want to say right after the Harbaugh years, so 2015, 16, 17, 18, and then now it's 19. So, yeah. Right. So, 2015, yeah. so it started the moment, with uh, Tom Sula. The moment Jim left, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a long time. And especially as a 49ers fan, the amount of things that have happened in that amount of time feels like forever. So, essentially, the last time the 49ers beat the Cardinals – Jim Harbaugh was their coach. So that's a trip. And so for the 49ers to finally turn that around, you know, that's just a a little small example of just how different this team is than any 49ers team we've seen in the past, whether under Kyle Shanahan, under Chip Kelly, under Jim Tomsula, or even under that last year uh, under Jim Harbaugh, which I believe they went eight and eight, if if I'm not mistaken. And the 49ers have already won eight games. So it's just, it's just crazy how it works. But, the 49ers defense looked a little, I wouldn't say rusty. They just looked a little surprised because Kenyon Drake, who had just gotten to the team that week after a trade, he carried the ball 15 times for 110 yards. He averaged 7.3 yards per carry and looked good doing it. Doing it. He also scored a touchdown. Um, Kenyon Drake also caught four passes for 52 yards because they were using, they were doing, you know, little short passes, using doing the screen game, um, stuff like that. So it was, it was, a good game for the 49ers defense and the fact that they may have gotten a small glimpse of what they might be weak against. Uh, they were kind of susceptible to screens and, and little short passes that were taken for long. You know, they had a ton of missed tackles in this game. So it's just a sloppy game that might have been a little uh, wake-up call for a defense who's about to see almost like an upgraded version of what the Cardinals are doing in the Seahawks. Everything the Cardinals are doing on offense, the Seahawks can do better. I don't think they quite use this screen game as much as the Cardinals did or have been this season. But like I'm saying, anything that Kyler Murray's doing, Russell Wilson is going to do on a whole new, whole different level. Who's who's been playing in it like an MVP this year? So, I mean, was there anything about the 49ers defense you saw, Croc, that kind of just bugged you? Yeah, there were a couple things that jumped out um, to me. The first thing is, yeah, the tackling was horrible. Like, I watched the game back, and I'm just like, man, like, I haven't seen them be this poor at tackling in a few years. And I think that that a lot of it might have to do with, you know, possibly, like, you know, the short uh, short week of preparation. I, I, they probably didn't even get a chance to practice. So, you know, the short week of the short week of, 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 of preparation and, and then – uh, there is one other thing that kind of jumped out to me, and, and I've seen it throughout this year, and it kind of made me remember something that I heard prior to the season. The the NFL, it's a passing league, and the 49ers built their entire roster, 
they structure the entire roster around stopping the pass. So in the process of doing that, <laughs> I think it left us a little bit vulnerable to the run. Now, luckily, we don't play. I think if we really just sold out to stop the run, we'll be fine. And if we can kind of stop it in spurts, we'll be okay. But I just don't think that the 49ers are built to stop the run because typically in the NFL nowadays, the run isn't, well, unless you play the 49ers, but typically the run's not is not what's going to beat you. It's typically the pass. And if you look at, you know, who the 49ers play down the stretch, you know, you have you have Russell Wilson now, who's been the best passing quarterback in the league this year. You have Aaron Rodgers coming up. You you have Drew Brees coming up. You know, when we go into the playoffs, you know, it's going to be those same type of teams um, who do want to run the ball, but I think they're in, at their core, they want to be able to push the ball downfield. And I think that's where the 49ers have built their team to stop. So I think at times we can be a little bit vulnerable to the run. We've seen it throughout this year. I think that if, uh, you know, the 49ers really sold out to stop the run, I believe that they can. But, uh, yeah, just the way that they, they, they've added guys, um, the smaller, faster linebackers, the wide nine, I, I think that they've kind of structured the team more to stop the pass. So sometimes you see some of those, you know, leak yardage and, and, and plays that we saw uh Thursday night, and hopefully we fix it, right? I think a lot of it had to do with bad tackling. And I was watching, uh, I was listening to a Seahawks podcast, and the guy had said, hey, uh, you know, the 49ers, they are bad after the catch. They give up a ton of after the catch yards. But really, like, most of that came off of two plays. The Juju Smith-Schuster play, that was like 80-something yards or whatever, and then or about 80 yards, and then now the Andy Isabella play. So um, just tackle better, and I think, you know, They'll be fine. And they're going to have to go into Seattle. Um, Chris Carson is a top five running back as far as yardage goes this year. And, you know, when it comes to stopping him and then also having to play against uh, uh, Russell Wilson, you're going to have to tackle better. And if you can do that, make the Seahawks one-dimensional. That's what you want to do. You want to make the Seahawks one-dimensional, if you can do that, you'll be in the right right path to success for that game. Right. So so kind of we, we did a good job right there of kind of transitioning to the Seahawks because – Obviously, that's that's mostly what we're here to do. You know, you guys have had plenty of time to digest this win for the 49ers over the Cardinals. Now it's on to the Seahawks, who are second place in the NFC West. Um, now, even if they beat the 49ers, uh, they're still not in first place. The the Seahawks would be eight and two. The 49ers would be eight and one. But beating the Seahawks is is essential towards the 49ers' efforts of maintaining their lead over the NFC West. Uh, it's it, you. They have to maintain that distance because if we know anything about the Seahawks, it's that whether it's from a divisional standpoint or from a game to game standpoint, they always find a way to get it done um, and find a way to get into the playoffs. It's mainly because of Russell Wilson. He's just incredible. Um, but on offense, the Seahawks are their seventh. They average 27.6 points per game. Uh, they're fourth in total yards of 395. They average 263 passing yards a game, which is ninth. And they average 131 rush yards a game, which is eighth. So those are pretty good numbers. And, you know, I, I don't have a, a comparison between the Seahawks and every other um offense the 49ers have faced so far, but I can tell you that the Seahawks offense is probably the best one the 49ers has faced. Um, just from a, an all-encompassing good football team standpoint, just for comparison's sake, uh, the 49ers offense averages 29.4 points per game. That's third. The Seahawks are seventh. Uh, 
Um, they average 390 total yards. That's seventh. The Seahawks are fourth at 395. So the 49ers and the Seahawks share a lot of parallels, except the, uh, the 49ers throw for significantly less passing yards per game, but make, make up for it in rush yards. 49ers rush for 171 yards a game, whereas the Seahawks rush for 131. So the 49ers are the second best rushing team in the NFL. So the two offenses are very similar in ways, except that the Russell Wilson is passing the ball a lot more. Uh, him and uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are just on fire. Uh, Tyler Lockett had, I think, his, one of his best games of his career uh, last game against the – who did they play last week? Uh, the right, right, right. So – which was a crazy game, by the way. It came all the way down to overtime. Um, that was nuts. I'm going to jump back on this little page just so I can break that game down a little further because it went all the way into overtime. The Seahawks ended up beating the Buccaneers 40-34, to and it was just uh, you know a shootout. And it was crazy to see what Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett have kind of established together. Cause Russell Wilson ty- targeted Tyler Lockett 18 times, which is crazy for a receiver. That's half of that is considered a lot of targets. And uh, Lockett caught 13 of those for 152 yards and two touchdowns. So, and that is Lockett does a lot of his work out of the slot, which will be K1 Williams department. And K1 has been good this season. We will find out how good against somebody like Lockett, who is is just on fire. He's probably, as far as yardage goes and touchdowns, he's probably one of the better receivers in the league right now. He probably wouldn't be that far off, at least. So, you know, and even DK Metcalf is going to prove a challenge for whoever's covering him, whether that's Sherm or Mosley. Um, I don't think Witherspoon is expect. I don't know. We'll see what what's up with Witherspoon, but. Uh, they, the Seahawks are just bringing a lot to the party. And like you said earlier, Croc, you have Chris Carson, who is w- among the top running backs in the league right now. He's averaging 4.4 yards per carry. He's rushed 170 times, 175 times for 764 yards. Hasn't found the end zone that much. He's only been there three times, but it doesn't matter. Like that is, he's on pace to go right around 1,500 yards. You know, maybe a little bit less than that. So the Seahawks are bringing a lot to the table. Now, on the other hand, where the 49ers hold a very distinct advantage is on defense. The 49ers defense is leaps and bounds better than the Seattle Seahawks. The two teams are pretty close in offense, in offensive statistics. Like, if you come down to points, the 49ers score 21 points a game on average. The Seahawks score 27. That's a difference of third versus seventh. But if you look at the defense and the kind of their overall statistics compared to each other, okay, the 49ers allow 12.8 points per game. That's second in the NFL. They allow, on average, 241 yards a game. That's first in the NFL. 138 pass yards per game, first in the NFL. Rush yards, 102. That's 14th. So that's probably their weakest statistic, and they're still top half of the league. The Seahawks are on the other end of the spectrum. They allow 25.6 points per game, which is 22nd. So bottom third, essentially. 380 yards per game, that's 25th. 278 pass yards a game, that's 28th. That's among the worst defenses against the pass in the NFL. So if you were looking for another Jimmy G encore, Monday might be where you find it. 
because the Seahawks are quite a bit better against the rush. 102 yards a game, that's 13th. So that's right around, you know, very similar to the 49ers. They're actually 13th and 14th together. So to me, we, we you know, and this would be awesome to see, is we may get a, another encore of, of what Jimmy Garoppolo did against the Cardinals and the fact that the Seahawks are decent at stopping the run, but they're horrible against the pass. The Cardinals were very similar. So, you know, there's a good chance that we could see Jimmy Garoppolo slinging it again on Monday night at Levi Stadium, which just seems like it works. Like, that would be fun to watch. So why wouldn't it happen? Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I I think the 49ers are the better team. They're the more rounded, well-rounded team. The Seahawks' offensive line is not good at all. The only problem is, is it's almost like the Seahawks' offensive line being bad ignites Russell Wilson. <laughs> right. I, I think, it. you know, for the 49ers, the, the key to this game is you have to be able to get to Russell Wilson rushing four. Right, right. If you can if, if you can play your zone, even though he has been better against zone than man-to-man, um, but the 49ers, they have a, you know, a great pass rush. So if, if the 49ers can get to Russell Wilson with four and continuously do that, that's the only way. I, I don't think you want the 49ers to have to bring extra pressure. I think you want to be able to rush forward, maybe spy. You could you could spy out of zone or man uh, and and kind of play that way and not let routes develop, develop downfield. With, you know, same with, like, Lockett, right? You don't, you don't want Lockett to be able to, you know, run free downfield for, you know, a long amount of time and get into open areas in the zone. So, yeah, the biggest thing for the 49ers this game, obviously stop the run with Carson because you know they want to do that. And be able to get to Russell Wilson rushing four. That that would be a huge, huge, huge benefit uh, to the 49ers defense. Right, and, and it's it just keep you know, and it's always easier said than done. The 49ers have just got to try and keep him in his little pocket or in his little area. When he gets outside that pocket, starts running around, looking downfield, you could almost like you know it's coming. You know, the moment he starts looking downfield, he's going to find some receiver who's managed to come wide open and, you know, Russell throw. It's, it's, we've seen it a million times before. You need to take a page out. Well, they need to take a page out of the Patriots blue, uh, blueprint. I, I know a lot of people saw, like, the kind of splash plays that Lamar Jackson made the other day, but the Patriots actually did a great job of containing uh, Lamar Jackson, for the most part, he had like 60 carries, I mean, 60 yards on like 16 carries, 17 carries, um, and 18 of which came off of one run. So outside of that, he averaged less than three yards a carry. And a big thing that the Patriots did was they had a spy on him. So as soon as he broke out the pocket, he had a spy. Now, obviously, he's so athletic, he's going to beat that spy here and there. But um, for the most part, they kept him really bottled up. And I, I think the 49ers need to take a page out of out of the Patriots playbook and have that spy on Russell Wilson. So try to get there with your four, have that spy guy right behind there. And if he tries to run outside that pocket, and he's nowhere near Lamar Jackson's uh, elusiveness and speed. Like Lamar Jackson's a freak when it comes to you right. know his scrambling. Yeah, not, Obviously, Russell Wilson is like the. I mean, he, he, he can move around. He can make guys miss. He can buy time. He does a great job of that. But at his core, he really wants to throw the ball unless you just give him a huge running lane. 49ers need to make sure, be sure to kind of spy him, to contain him, rush those forward, spy him, and kind of take a page out of what the Patriots did to Lamar Jackson because they, they had a really good game plan. Right. And it was, and sometimes playmakers, 
I don't know, overpower game plans. You know, you can always plan to stop a playmaker, but they're going to make plays. And that's just, you know, the only thing you can really do is limit how many plays they make or, you know, how you rarely do you see someone completely shut down somebody who's just proven that they can make plays. But the 49ers, you know, they have a little bit going for them in the fact that they beat the Seattle Seahawks at the end of last year with, with Nick Mullins. So they know that they can beat this team. Obviously, the Seahawks are playing much, much better this year than they are than they were last year. But the, the 49ers are also playing way better this year than they were last year. So it, it's it's just a different game. I think the 49ers have the the tools to beat the Seahawks, and they could. You know, obviously the Seahawks are always finding ways to win, but the 49ers have the type of team that's built to beat somebody like the Seahawks. They have a pass rush that can win with four. They can do a good job covering downfield. The linebackers are quick, even though the 49ers lost Quan Alexander. Dre Greenlaw is also a pretty fast linebacker. We'll see how he does in coverage. You know, obviously you're, he's going to be prone to, to rookie mistakes, but he's a, he everything he's shown so far is he's still a pretty impressive linebacker in his own right. So. You know, if they can limit the the explosive plays and just kind of make the Seahawks offense operate within the realm of a normal offense and actually have to work their way down their field, then I think the 49ers have a very good shot at at not only beating the Seahawks, but beating them convincingly in the fact that they have two amazing edge rushers. Uh, You got guys like DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead rushing from the middle. And the 49ers should be able to get a lot of pressure with just four guys. And if that's... Crocker's key to beating the Seahawks. I think the 49ers have about are about as strong as they could get in that regard at, at, at really rushing the passer and getting after him with four. And I think I've seen plenty of statistics that saying the 49ers are among the best teams in the NFL at creating pressure with just four guys and going against the Seahawks offensive line that's been struggling. Uh, you know, it, it should work out for them. But obviously, like, like I said earlier with the Cardinals, divisional matchups just work different sometimes. And that could mean the 49ers blow out the Seahawks or it could mean the 49ers are, you know, under the gun. We'll see. But it's it's definitely their most anticipated game of the year. You know, it's on prime time. It's going to be in front of everybody. Either the 49ers are going to put a big, you know, stamp on their undefeated record, move to 9-0 and in, in a convincing way, or, you know, maybe they grind one out against the like they did against the Cardinals. We'll see. I mean, obviously you can win in any fashion, but, you know, I, I, I don't see anything happening in which the Seahawks run away with one, but it's uh, it'll be interesting. You just never know. And and what's cool with what's cool to me about this matchup is it seems like it's going to be the the ushering back in of the classic 49ers Seahawks rivalry where both teams are playoff bound teams competing for their spot in the division, competing for either, you know, that first round by or wild card spot or what have you. It just seems like for a while there under Chip Kelly, under Jim Tom Sula, um, even under, you know, for a little bit under Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers and the Seahawks were just not what it used to be. They weren't competitive games. The Seahawks were still rolling, and the 49ers were not. Well, that's not the case this year, and I, and I don't think it'll be the case when they play each other. Uh, I think it'll be competitive, and I think it will be getting back to what, you know, everybody always considered the 49ers and the Seahawks to be, you know, so – you got any final thoughts before we send him off there, Crocker? I know this is a little shorter than everybody's used to, but but my man Eric's got some got some stuff he needs to get to, so uh, we're not able to drag this on about an hour today. But uh, <laughs> you got anything you want to leave him with there, brother? 
Nah, man, just contain Russell Wilson and, and the 49ers will be all right. That's all you got to do is contain Russell Wilson, everybody. That's, that's nobody. It's easier said than done. <laughs> right, it, right. Right. If the, if the season ended right now, he'd be the MVP. So right. um, it's a tough task, but, you know. And the 49ers might have the uh, – we're talking like overall NFL MVP, but the 49ers might have the defensive MVP uh, in Nick Bosa. We'll see. Uh, he was kind of. Why should everybody be worried? Then the 49ers like blow the Seahawks out. Then the narrative be, oh, the Seahawks just play bad. Oh yeah, of course, of <laughs> course. And if the and if the Seahawks beat the 49ers, then it'll be oh, well, the 40. See, we were just we were told you we were just waiting for them to play a good team. You know? <laughs> right. So there's always those people. But anyways, I think that wraps us up for today. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Monday. I'm pumped for Monday. It's really? gonna be crazy. You gonna be there? I'll be there, brother. I will be there. Oh, nice, nice. So I'll be there. Uh, you know, I'll be down on the field pregame. I'm excited too because uh, I get to see uh, Adrian Colbert again because he's with the Seahawks. He's on their practice squad, so uh, I know me and him are going to link up, chat it up a little bit, um, and then that you know I, I spend my game up in the press box. And, and the only downside is, and it's not a real downside. I understand people up there are trying to work, but they really do a good job of sealing that place off with the glass, and you can't hear the crowd as much as you would want to, but I can guarantee you that place is going to be popping. Um, it's going to be nuts and I can't wait. Um, so yeah, if you don't, uh, you'll see, if you want to see everything I've got to say about that, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Rob underscore louder, L O W D E R. And then obviously follow Crocker cause he's, uh, the best man. He's one of the best follows that I, one of one of my favorite follows. And I just happen to have a <laughs> podcast with the guy. So uh, right. <laughs> at Eric underscore Crocker, follow him, follow us. We checked our, our Twitter analytics today and between me and Crocker, I think we had over 16 million like impressions over the last month, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's crazy. 16 million. That's yeah. a lot of people, but anyways, I'm um, my bad humble brag. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate you guys always, as always. Thank you for listening. If you're still listening, you know, we're coming up on the 50 minute mark. Thank you for sticking around as always. Anybody who can listen to my voice for this long, uh, you, you know, you obviously love the 49ers and I appreciate you sticking around. Um, Check us out next week if you haven't already. Whatever you're listening to, if it has an option of, of leaving us a review, dropping some stars, um, leaving us saying a couple positive things, drop in there, say what's up. We always read those. Um, but like I said, I appreciate you guys for listening. Wouldn't be able to do this without you. Um, but that's it for another week. This is Striking Gold, signing off. <laughs>